Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. Jesus was once again on the move. It was entire, a, a city on the Mediterranean Sea, a Gentile city, a pagan city outside of Israel, away from God's people. Jesus traveled from Tyre to Sidon, a city about 20 miles north, and from there he turned south, back to Israel, back to the region of Galilee, and then he turned east. A total journey of about 100 miles He entered the area known as the Decapolis, which is Greek for 10 cities. Established by Greeks who settled after Alexander the Great conquered the land, the Decapolis was located on the Sea of Galilee. So again, Jesus entered Gentile territory outside of Israel, away from God's people. And while here, some people brought a man to Jesus. The man was deaf. He couldn't hear and he had a speech impediment. Now this means he could make sounds as his vocal cords worked, but when he attempted to speak, he couldn't be understood. His sounds were gibberish. Well, the New Testament, including the Gospel of Mark, was originally written in Greek. The English speech impediment is actually one Greek word, mogalalos. Now, this word is only found in one other place in the Bible, our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. Now, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, but two to three centuries before Jesus, it was translated into Greek. This Greek translation of the entire Old Testament is known as the Septuagint. In the Septuagint, in Isaiah chapter 35, you find the same word. Mogalalos. Isaiah chapter 35 marks a transition in this prophetic book. Isaiah 35 follows several chapters where God declares judgment. Judgment on his people. Judgment on the nations. Now listen, listen to a couple of verses from Isaiah 34 to get a sense of this judgment. This is, this is verse 8 through 10. For the Lord has a day of vengeance a year of recompense for the cause of Zion and the streams of Eden shall be turned into pitch and her soil into sulfur. Her land shall become burning pitch. Night and day it shall not be quenched. Its smoke shall go up forever. Divine judgment is pictured here as desolation, destruction. It looks looks like Mordor. But then, like a breath of fresh air, Isaiah 35 brings good news, hope, a promise. There is judgment, yes, but God is merciful. God will restore. God will save. Listen to verse 1 again of Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord. God promises to restore. 
heal, renew the land that he has judged. Mordor will become a garden and, and, and Lebanon will see the glory of God. So the good news, the promise is that Gentiles will see the glory of God. Gentiles will see the majesty of God. And then verse five. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Not only will God restore the land, but also his people. God will heal the blind, the deaf, the lame, and the mute. And there it is. The word, mogalalos, speech impediment here translated mute. Isaiah foretells of a day when the Gentiles will behold God's glory and the mute will be healed and sing to God's glory, joining the people of God singing his glory. Well, Mark is showing that the day that Isaiah pointed to, here in Isaiah 35, the day that God promised, the day of good news, the day of hope has arrived, is here in Jesus. The Son of God brings salvation and restoration and healing and hope to God's people, to Israel. They had the covenant, the relationship, the promises, the law, the prophets. God's salvation would come to them and through them to the nations, to those outside the covenant, to those not descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Gentiles, God's heart was for Gentiles too. And Isaiah 35 shows that this was God's plan all along. And Jesus was carrying it out, bringing it to fruition. A part of our passage in Mark is the feeding of the 4,000. A crowd gathers around Jesus. They, they're with him for three days, listening to his teaching. And then they had no food. They're out in the wilderness with no food. Well, Jesus' disciples gathered together seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. And, and out of this meager meal, Jesus miraculously feeds 4,000 people. And it wasn't just a snack. They ate until they were full. They ate until they were satisfied. And there were leftovers, baskets of leftovers. Jesus provides in abundance. Now, a couple weeks ago, we looked at a similar story. Jesus fed 5,000. He fed 5,000 men. The crowd was probably larger with women and children. Jesus fed this crowd from five loaves and two fish. He fed them until they were full, till they were satisfied. Although very similar, these two miracles differ in a number of details besides the number fed. But here is the most important. When Jesus fed the 5,000 plus, they were all Jews. In our passage today, Jesus feeds 4,000 Gentiles. You see, the crowd gathered around him, the crowd with him. They are not descendants of Abraham. They are not part of Israel. Yet Jesus ministers to them, feeds them, feeds them spiritually through his teaching, feeds them physically through bread and fish, satisfying them with abundance. They brought this deaf, mute man to Jesus and they asked him to lay hands on him. 
In fact, they don't, they don't simply ask, they beg, they plead. They want Jesus to heal him, to restore him, to make him whole. And in compassion, Jesus takes this man aside. He takes him away from the crowd. He doesn't want to draw attention. He doesn't want this to be some kind of show. But it also means that this man is not simply a face in the crowd for Jesus. He's not simply another problem to be soft. He's an individual made in the image of God, loved by the Father. Jesus gives him full attention, and he takes him aside, and he touches him. Remember, this man was a Gentile, considered unclean by Jews. Contact with him would cause ritual impurity, require cleansing, but Jesus touches him. Through two actions, Jesus touches him. Now, these actions are a little strange to our modern ears, perhaps even, let's be honest, a bit disgusting. First, Jesus places his fingers into the deaf man's ears, and then he spits probably spits on his hand, and he places some of that spit on the mute man's tongue, rubs it on his tongue. Now, there was a tradition in the ancient Near East that the spit of certain people had healing properties, that those who practiced the healing arts would apply their spit to the area of the body that needed healing. Now, Jesus didn't need to do these acts in order to heal the man. He could have simply willed it. He could have simply spoke it. But perhaps Jesus offers these signs, these acts, so that the man who could not hear would understand what he was doing. Jesus puts his fingers into his ears. He spits on his hand, wipes it on his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven, up to his father, and he sighed groaned at the physical brokenness of this man, groaned at the desolation of creation because of sin, and he speaks one word, one Aramaic word, ephatha, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were open. Immediately the man could hear for the first time time ever, or for the first time in many years, he could hear. He could hear the birds singing. He could hear wind blowing through leaves on the trees. He could hear water flowing, people talking, people laughing, children crying, dogs barking. He could hear. Be opened. And immediately his tongue was released. Now, li li literally, this could read, the chain of his tongue was broken. Like a, like a prisoner loosed from his bonds, he could now speak. But he did not need to learn or relearn speech. He needed no therapy. Mark says he spoke plainly. Immediately, he speaks plainly, clearly. He was understood. Healed by Jesus. Made whole through Jesus. And although Jesus told him not to make it known, this, this, this man and those with him could not help but tell, to speak, to sing his praise, his glory. Now, the story 
of this man is really the story of every Christian, every follower of Jesus. And here's what I mean. Until God opens your ears, until the Spirit of God gives you ears to hear, you're deaf. And not, not physically deaf. You can, you can hear as in sound waves enter your ear canal, vibrate the drum and bones on your inner ear, make electrical impulses that are then interpreted by your brain as sound. But you have a spiritual disability. You're spiritually deaf. You're deaf to God's word. You can't hear the gospel. You hear, you hear the words. You hear the sounds. You hear the story. How you're lost and dead. Lost in your sin. Wandering in your disobedience to God. Not able to find the way. How you're dead in your sin. Separated from God. Alienated from God. On the path to eternal separation from God which is hell. But out of love, Jesus Christ sought you out. Out of love, the eternal son entered creation, entered space and time and history, took on flesh, became a man, found you. And he became your substitute. Taking on himself your sin, suffering what you deserve death and separation from God. He suffered it on the cross while giving you forgiveness and life. And through him, faith in him, you are a child of the living God. You're a son of the father, a daughter of the father. That, that's who you are in Jesus. And now you're on the path to eternity with your Father. Heaven. That's the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. And you can hear it, physically hear it hundreds of times, thousands of times. But if the Holy Spirit does not cry out, be opened, give you ears to hear, give you a heart to receive, you're deaf to it. Deaf to his word. And when you do hear, when you are able to truly hear, when you're able to receive it, it's a gift. It's like bread and fish in a desolate place. Receive it. Be filled by it. Satisfied through it. And return to it over and over again. Return to it. Hear it over and over again. Be fed by it over and over again. Here's why. God's word is not the only word out there. You, you know this. God's word is not the only word filling your ears. God's word is not the only word seeking to find a place in your heart. 
and dwell there. Now just think about it. Every day, every week, you listen to movies, videos, music, shows, friends. You read books, articles, social media posts. You're instructed. You're, 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 if you're in school, you're instructed where you, you have to listen. Every day, every hour, every week, you are bombarded by many words. And not all these words are consistent with God's word. And culturally, you hear, you, you, in, in these different ways, you hear words that tell you to, to just do it. Be happy that you deserve it, that you'll find the answer within. Now have it, have it your way. Do what you feel. Create who you are. Live out your desires. Live out your impulses. They're, they're not wrong. In fact, there is no wrong except someone telling you that you're wrong. These are only a few examples. Often, often, just like the ones that I listed, often, but not always, these, these words focus on you, focus on your wants, your needs, your happiness, your identity. And it's, it's self-centered. It's self-seeking. And God's word says that it's wrong. It's sin. Jesus takes that sin from you and he wants you to live like him. He wants you to live in love, which is the opposite of self-centered and self-seeking and self-focused. Living in love is selfless. It's sacrificial. It's focused outside of yourself. It's loving God. It's, it's, it's being obedient to God. It's loving your neighbor. It's serving your neighbor outside of yourself. This is how God created you to live. This is how God desires you to live. And it's found in his word. Hear it. Receive it. Be fed by it. Live it. Quiet those other words in your life. And use God's word to interpret those other words in your life. And remember, remember, when the Spirit opens your ears, He also breaks the chain of your tongue. He breaks the chain of your tongue so that you can glorify God, so that you can sing His praise, so that you can share the gospel that you've heard. You can tell what Jesus has done for you. And with a loose tongue, you can also pray. Pray that the Spirit would open ears and hearts and tongues. Pray that the Spirit would open the ears and hearts and tongues of those around you. Pray that the Spirit would transform lives and families and neighborhoods, that the Spirit would transform the city, our nation, and indeed the world, all for the glory of Christ. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 